to St. John's Sermons, a podcast from St. John's Lutheran Church, North Prairie, Wisconsin, a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We offer this podcast with the loving encouragement to use it as a supplement to your own regular reception of the Lord's gifts of forgiveness and life in word and sacrament on the Lord's day. The Lord bless your hearing of these sermons. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable, A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We confess together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Congregation, ABC. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's an election year. Don't need to tell you that. It seems like in an election year, we get our, our every four-year um, opportunity to curse the very same thing we think will save us. I don't know what it is, but we all complain about politics, right? Don't we all? We all think they're all perfect. I was watching Forrest Gump Friday night. I hadn't watched that movie in years. We put it on because we have a two-movie Friday night. It was the late movie. And there's that scene from the early part of the movie where young Forrest is with his mom, Sally Field, at the doctor's office being fitted for metal braces around his legs. And the doctor says to Sally Field, Well, Mrs. Gump, he's got legs that are strong as an ox, but his back is as crooked as a politician. <laughs> And yet, it seems like every four years, we put a lot on that presidential election, don't we? 
We seem to think that uh, the very thing that we don't like, politics, we're still endlessly fascinated by, and that if we elect the right Messiah, things will go right. I think some of that's lurking behind this discussion that Jesus finds himself in at the beginning of Luke chapter 13, our text today. Pilate was by no means a good ruler. I'm always a little struck when I read the passions, whether it's uh, Matthew's passion or Mark's passion or Luke's passion or John's passion, you know, the stories of Jesus' trial, crucifixion, death, and burial, and how fair Pilate tries to be. He tries very hard to be fair, but he wasn't always known for his fairness. In fact, you wouldn't have to have this story from the Bible to know how crooked he could be. The ancient historian Josephus wrote a bit about Pontius Pilate. Of all the governors of Judea and Palestine, Pontius Pilate was probably the kind of the rascaliest. And that's told us a little bit in this text because someone comes to Jesus and asks him a political question. I love this. We're 13 chapters into the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for his, uh, his anointing, for his crucifixion and his resurrection. And people are still unsure about him. And you know, if you don't like what he says about God and about his law and whatever, maybe you can still find something to agree with him on, on politics. What about Pilate, Jesus? Remember last year at the Passover? And the story also involves Galilean Jews, which is what Jesus is. Trying to elicit maybe some kind of a political response from Jesus and some kind of an emotional response from Jesus. We want Jesus to be a political deliverer. And maybe if we can get him to badmouth Pilate, we can get what we want. A political deliverer. It was Galilean Jews that got slaughtered in the shadow of the temple a year earlier by Pilate. Their blood got mingled with the sacrifices. I know it sounds a little grotesque. But this is what's brought to Jesus. And if it had happened to us, we would have been controversialized by it. If you had been a first century Jew, especially a first century Galilean Jew, This would have made you angry. Rome had been pretty good to you for the most part, but once in a while, Rome was Rome. And you didn't like it. That's true of us, too. Sometimes our rulers can be pretty good to us. They can look out for our freedoms and protect us, but sometimes they act like the rulers. And we don't like that. And Jesus resists the temptations that must have been lurking behind this this little story. He doesn't go there. He doesn't go into a discussion of politics. He doesn't fall into the trap that we often fall into that says, well, you know, if we get the right party in office, this would all be fixed. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't say, hey, look, I'm running for governor next year. Vote for me. I'll fix it all. Nope. Jesus doesn't do that. I want you to think about this. In America, if there's one crystal clear lesson we we can still learn about living in a democracy, it's this. 
the rulers we have, the ones we complain about, are the ones we elect. In other words, who's responsible for putting them there? Who's responsible for creating a climate where some of the best people in America will not run? Who's responsible for that? We've kind of created this, this mess. It all inevitably falls back to us, and that's where Jesus goes. Jesus doesn't let the politics of the situation enter into it. He doesn't take the opportunity to slap Pilate. He could have. And he doesn't take the opportunity to say, well, you know, they may be my brother Galileans, but you know, I don't agree with every Wisconsinite either. <laughs> Just because we're all from Wisconsin. Just because we're all from North Prairie, or Dowson, or Mabonago. He doesn't do that either. He says, watch out. Take care of your own house. Don't worry about the politics. In fact, it's kind of a strong statement. It doesn't sound that strong, but think about it for just a second. Unless you, what does he say? He says, unless you repent, you all will perish the same way. The same way as those Galileans did. Or, you might say more broadly, unless we live the life of repentance, we stand to perish eternally for our sins. In other words, the best thing for Christians to do if they want to help our nation, for instance, is look inward. Repent of the sins that so badly hinder us in our lives in the world, in our lives as citizens of the United States. In fact, the best thing we can do is live repentance. The world is always uh, kind of castigating us for being self-righteous. Okay. So let's not be self-righteous. That is, by the way, the gist of a big part of the Old Testament reading that Aaron read before. It was just simply that if you want to live by your own righteousness, you won't. So, to quote Luther, be a sinner. Don't wear that proudly. Don't rejoice and say, hey, look what I did today. I really messed up my life and made someone else's life miserable. Yeah, yay me. No, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, don't waste your time denying that you've done it. Or that you may have done it. Stand before God as you are. Stand before other people as you are. Be Live this life of repentance. You see, in the Gospel of Luke, what's very interesting is that the people who have it right don't have it right. Luke is sometimes called the Gospel for the outsider. The Gospel for the one who, for all intents and purposes, thinks God has given up on. But God never gives up on the one who's honest with him about their lives. God doesn't give up on a swindling tax collector like Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Or another swindling tax collector like Matthew who gets the privilege of being one of the twelve. God doesn't give up on Roman centurions who are capable of violence whose slaves are dying but rather heals them, like in Luke 7. 
God doesn't give up on the one sheep that is lost. And if you thought you were part of the 99 who weren't, that's not what you were saying in the confession of sin. You came into church this morning saying, I'm lost. I'm the one. And Jesus found you with his absolution, did he not? Jesus will find you again in his body and blood. And that, my friends, solves all problems. We're but strangers here. We've got a new heavens and a new earth that we are looking forward to where all this politics is going to be gone. It's not about electing the right leader. We're probably not going to do that. And a lot of times when we did, we didn't realize we were doing it. That's not the solution. The solution is not that I can be a better person. The solution is not that if we have the right party in power, that will save things. The solution is not that uh, the other person needs to change. The solution is that this needs to change, and I can't do it. But Christ does. Christ's word speaks a word of law to us and says, you know what, the mess of this world is human created and we all have a role in it, so there's no point looking at the other person or no point looking at a political leader or there's no point looking at any sort of self-proclaimed Messiah. The only point is to look back inward at ourselves and see it and recognize it and stand before our God and receive the forgiveness of sins and confess those sins to Him because without that, all of us will likewise perish. This is a boat that's going down unless Christ is in it. Unless Christ stands in it. One of our members recently went to uh, Israel and I loved it. I got a text from Israel. <laughs> that's just so cool. We live in this day and age where that can happen. It was a picture of a first century fishing boat. The type that Jesus would stand in. I don't know if you realize just how narrow these boats are. They're not a lot narrower than this aisle. Not a lot wider than this aisle. Maybe not even as wider. We've got the proportions of the picture right. He's standing in these things with the fishermen. And how do they keep getting back to shore safely in a boat that narrow? And that long? Well, when Jesus stepped into Peter's boat, he was there. Peter recognized it in Luke chapter 5, the same gospel, got down on his knees and saw a miraculous catch of fish and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Excellent response. That's the way we should stand before our Lord. That's what Jesus is talking about here in Luke 13. Not pretending that we have the solutions, not pretending that the solution would happen if the other person changed, not pretending that if we get the right party in power, the right ruler in power, things will change, but remembering that things change when this changes. When this heart changes, things change. And we don't change it. God's word does. God's word speaks to you where you're at. 19 years of preaching the Gospels, studying the Gospels, and I'm not still learning, but one of the things that just astounds me, and I know I've said this before, one of the things that just astounds me as I work through the Gospels is how real they are. 
One of the things that astounds me is how Jesus, in these words in Luke 13, is speaking right at your heart. It's not Pastor Torkelson preaching right at your heart. It's him. He knows we don't do repentance well. But he also knows that coming before him humbly and recognizing the sin in here is the route to life, to new life, eternal life. And he recognizes that the only way that can happen is if he puts his word in front of you and causes you to look inward. Because this world will change. This nation would change if we would. The reality is we don't do that easily if we do it at all. This nation would change too if we would let Christ speak to us, not just to the other person. So Jesus tries to get, they try to suck Jesus into a political question. I'm not sure why. I'm not, not sure as I look at this. It doesn't say that it was the Pharisees who did this. So I don't know if they were trying to test him or not, or if they were trying to find something to agree with him on. After all, it's easy for Republicans to agree with Republicans. But Jesus didn't go there. He went kind of right back at the people who approached him and said, just because that wasn't you that got slaughtered doesn't mean it couldn't be. Repent now. The parable basically just fills in the rest of the story. Jesus is here to dig around our trees to see that they produce the fruits of repentance and faith. Jesus is here on his hands and knees making sure that you do not leave this building unrewarded. That you do not leave this building unforgiven. That you who come forward humbly as sinners, get life, not death. The time you have in this life, and there's a time element to the parable, the time you have in this life is the time to get that gift, to get that life. Because you don't know how long that time's going to be, right? So, hear what Jesus said. Here it is, right here, right now, for you. And that sets all things right. You want the solution? It's right in front of you. So come on forward joyfully on this beautiful February day. And come on, come on forward joyfully on all the ugly days that sometimes we have church too. Because there's the solution. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll sing the sermon hymn. This podcast is a service of St. John's Lutheran Church in North Prairie, Wisconsin. For more information, including locations, service times, and links to other Lutheran agencies, please visit our website at www.stjohnsnp.org. That's www.stjohnsnp.org. Theme music performed by Mr. Philip Magnus.